Okay, thank you for those specials this morning. While they're making their way back, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 14. And because we're looking at things where there's no thus saith the Lord in Scripture, I decided to change things a little bit this morning. I'm going to sit down instead of standing up. I I don't find in Scripture where it says you have to stand up to preach. (laughs) Actually, uh, I'm sitting because I wouldn't last the whole time if I had to stand up. Many of you have been asking. I don't like to take time on personal issues, but have been asking how the knee is going. It's going from bad to worse. And so uh, I I see the orthopedic surgeon or her assistant on Wednesday. So that that is in the works. But uh, uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 14 here this morning, beginning with verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and I am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him whom Christ, for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is from sin. I grew up in a climate where at a very young age as young people we were taught If you were going to be a good Christian, you didn't smoke, you didn't drink, you didn't dance, you didn't go to movies, and you didn't go with girls that did. (laughs) And that that was the mindset that that I grew up in. Uh, And a problem came years later with that when we had been serving as missionaries for several years up in Canada. And we were living in the Evangelical Free Church, actually living in the church because the parsonage was built right onto the, the church. It, it, uh, we weren't pastoring the church, but we, they had allowed us to use the parsonage. And we were teaching the, the youth class, uh, the, the teen Sunday school class. And uh, one of the mothers of, of one of the kids asked if we would like to come out for dinner one evening which was great, and, and but she said, I want you to come a half hour early because I need to talk to you before my husband gets home. Now, I didn't know her husband. I had never met him. She came to church with the kids, but uh, he, he, he did not come. We arrived, and uh, she explained that her husband used to go to church, not our church, but a, a, another church, but uh, had been asked to leave the church because he had the habit of taking a glass of wine with his dinner. Now, he had grown up in Germany. They, they had both grown up in Germany. They had immigrated to Canada. This was the custom from Germany there. 
And the church that they were in could not accept that fact, told him he could not probably even be a Christian if he was going to continue in that. And so from that point on, he had nothing to do with church. She said, now, here's the problem. He's going to come home from work, and we're going to sit down for dinner, and he's going to invite you to have a glass of wine with him. And she said, I can't tell you what to do. That's between you and the Lord, but uh, that's what you're facing. (laughs) I thought, thanks a lot. That's just what I need to hear. Uh, He came home, and uh, it was like pulling teeth to get two words out of the man. He would not hardly even talk to us because he knew we were from the church. He was through with church. He wanted nothing to do with with church. And and, uh, we sat down to the meal, and sure enough, he asked would you like to have a glass of wine with the meal with me? And I said, yes. (laughs) it, It was a struggle in my mind and in my conscience to say yes, but I thought, if this is a way to reach this man, then I'll drink a glass of wine. Now, now to me, uh, alcohol is not an issue. Uh, I I put it just about in the same category as I put mayonnaise. (laughs) It it, it tastes terrible. I know some of you won't agree with me on that, but but when I was about three years old, uh, I was at a or my parents were at a party, and I I was with them. We were visiting some friends, and I picked up a glass of beer, not knowing what it was, and and took a, a quite a, a drink of it, and I have not been able to stand the taste of alcohol ever since then. So uh, th- this was quite a struggle for me for for several reasons, but it opened up the door for us to be able to begin to share in his life. And eventually he did go back to church, not the church that he had been kicked out of, but but another church and so forth there. There are times when we need to set aside our personal desires, our personal likes, for the sake of somebody else. And uh, in that case, I cannot honestly say I enjoyed the, the glass of wine. And he afterwards said, you know, I, I probably should have started you off on a one that wasn't quite as strong as this one. And <laughs> uh, I don't know whether that would have made any difference or not, but we were able to joke about it anyhow. But uh, I, I felt if this will open the door to ministry, then I'm willing to set aside my background, the, the rules and restrictions that I grew up with, and, and allow the Spirit of God to work through that. There are times when we're called, in a sense, to follow the example of Jesus Christ. He said, don't act through selfish interest alone. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 3 there. Uh, Don't just have your selfish interest in mind, but give thought to the other person. How can you minister to somebody else? And as we approach this passage this morning, what are we doing to promote unity? There are many areas that divide us today. We have different interests. Some of you like fishing, some of you like hunting, some of you don't like either of them, and that's okay. We have different political viewpoints. We have different causes that we like to be involved in. And those, many of those areas there is no thus saith the Lord on. And so what do we do? How, how do we promote unity within the body of Jesus Christ? Last week, we looked at the fact that we are called to accept one another. Even with different ideas and different backgrounds, we are to accept even those that we think may be weak in the faith 
we, we, we don't like to think of ourselves as weak, do we? But as we looked last week, I wonder if all of us have some weak areas and all of us have some strong areas. We, we, we need to, I think, wrestle with that at times. Well, today, the basic principle is we are called to edify one another or to build one another up or basically to encourage one another. And how do we do that? Yeah, that comes out of verse 19, by the way. Uh, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up or the edifying there of one another, depending on your translation there. How do we do that? Well, Paul gives us several ways to do that here. First of all, he suggests in verses 13 through 15 that we not be a stumbling block to our brother. And it, if that's the case, we, we need to be careful about being judgmental. The illustration, again, that he uses is the illustration of meats. As we looked at that last week, you recall that the best meat in town was sold at the idols, at the, the, the temples there. Uh, people would bring the best of their sacrifices. The people in the temple couldn't use it all and didn't want to burn it all, but they could sell it and they could make a good profit off of it. And so if you wanted cheap meat that was, that was the best meat in town, you went to the temple and bought that meat. Now, there were those that said, hey, we can't have anything to do with this. This has been offered to pagan gods and so forth. And there were, on the other side, those that said, you know what? Those idols are nothing. I can save a few dollars. I'm going to save a few dollars. So that's the, the problem that he was wrestling with there. He says two things here about being a stumbling block. We're, we're a stumbling block when we're judgmental in areas where there is no clear, thus saith the Lord. Convictions are good. And we may have differing convictions on different issues, but uh, if there's no thus saith the Lord, be careful of being judgmental of your brother or sister. Don't condemn somebody just because they are different from you. Don't condemn somebody because you must misread their motives. I think of the, the couple that we had dinner with there in Canada so long ago. He had no problem at all with alcohol. He, he never drank to excess. As the only time he ever had a, a glass of, to drink was at dinner because that's what they did in Germany where, where he grew up. It wasn't a problem with, with him, and yet people misread his motive and thought that he was involved in being drunk and so forth and, and without ever stopping to talk to him about it. They had judged him, and, and it had some tragic results in his life. It had nothing to do with, with his spirituality. It was simply a custom that he had grown up with. And uh, it, uh, we're, we're so quick to, to judge, but are we equally quick to listen? Where is our brother coming from? What is going on in their life in that questionable area? James chapter 1 verse 19 exhorts us to be swift to hear, slow to speak. Do you ever notice how often we turn that phrase around? We can be swift to speak and slow to listen. I, I remember years ago when we lived in Ecolaca, kind of a comical when you look back on it. Now, it wasn't comical at the time, but uh, I guess we did laugh before it was over. <laughs> we, we drove from Ecolaca to uh, Miles City. That's where we did our monthly shopping and doctor's appointments and stuff. And I don't know about you, but uh, we had a, a car, just the two seats, and so we had three kids in the back seat. They all had their spots to sit in. 
And I don't know about your kids, but our kids had a problem sometimes with that. She's got her foot over on my side, or, or, or he's crowding my, you know how it goes. You, 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 you've all been there. And after two hours of driving with that, you, you get a little bit frustrated sometimes with it. We, we drove into Rapid City and we're getting out the first time. And we hear our oldest daughter talking to our youngest daughter. And what we hear is, tie your shoes or I'll flatten your face. <laughs> and immediately, mom and dad have issues with that. And we begin to react to that. And Sherry says, what? What's wrong? Well, that's not a way to talk to your sister. She said, well, all I said was, tie your shoes or you'll fall flat on your face. <laughs> a, a, a big difference there. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it was one case where it was good that, that mom and dad were willing to, to listen and let her explain before we, we did anything as far as punishment was concerned because we heard it wrong. And... Uh, if we're not careful, we can we can do that so quickly with our brother and sister. We assume that what they are doing, they are doing because they're wrong and they shouldn't have anything to do with it. And we make a quick judgment if we're not careful there. The second way we're a stumbling block here is if we insist on our own rights. Notice verse 15 there. He says, if because of food your brother's hurt, you're no longer walking according to love. Uh, and And... We can insist on our rights. There were those that were eating those meats that, that, and were serving it in their home and so forth to brothers that had a problem with that area. Rather than recognizing if they have a problem, maybe I should abstain from that. And while they're in, in my house, maybe I should not serve them that, that kind of meat and, and so forth. But, hey, I have a right to eat that meat. No one has the right to tell me where to shop. I, I, I can do as I please in that area. Well, to a certain extent, that's true. But to a certain extent, we have a responsibility to minister to our brother or sister in Christ. And if this is a stumbling block in their air, in their life, then maybe we need to restrict our freedom when they're with us. I, I think go back to the area of that glass of wine that I had. We were at the time working with Indian people on the different reservations. And, you know, in the, our home... We would not allow a bottle of wine because the Indian people could not handle that. It was a stumbling block to them. Uh, most of them were alcoholics. They had come out of that culture. And if they were to see that in our home, they could jump to the conclusion, this is all right for us. And they would be right back into that alcoholic mindset again and, and, and behavior there. So for us, we couldn't do it in our home. Our our friend could do it in his home because he wasn't involved with the Indian people. But we couldn't do it. And uh, like I said, that, that was fine with me because it's just about like mayonnaise. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know some of you don't agree with me, but <laughs> that, that that's the way it is. It's a questionable area there. But do we insist on our rights? I have a right to do this. And do we cause our brother who has a different conviction to stumble and fall in that area. We need to be careful that we don't insist on our rights to the point where it's going to hurt the testimony or the life of our brother and sister in Christ there. Second principle that he gives us here is we are called to serve Christ. 
Remember, the basic principle that we're looking at starts in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where he says we are to present our bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. If you present your body as a living sacrifice, who do you belong to? You belong to Jesus Christ. You're no longer your own. You, you've been bought with a price. You, you belong to him. We're not here to serve our self-interest. We're not here for our own comfort. We're here to glorify Jesus Christ. We belong to him. Uh, you know, the problem with Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 is we come, if we're not careful, and we present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. And because we're a living sacrifice and not a dead one, what do we do? We crawl off of the altar and take it back again and uh, go go our own way there. No, we are called to glorify Jesus Christ with our lives. Matthew 6 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. We present ourselves to him and follow the path that he chooses for us. He becomes our, our Lord in those moments. As we think about that, the problem comes, uh, and, and I, we mentioned this a little while back, but... Uh, I'll say it again because sometimes you don't even remember what I said last week, let alone three or four weeks ago. Uh, you know, we had our missions conference a what, two years ago, and the, the puppet ministry acted out that song, Don't Send Me to Africa. And, and isn't that the mindset that we often have? If I present myself as a living sacrifice to the Lord, he's going to send me to Africa. Or he's going to make life miserable for us. He, he's going to, you know, you can fill in the blanks of what it is that you don't want to do. But uh, if, if we surrender to the Lord, he's going to ask us to do that. Notice what he says in verse 17 there. If we surrender to the Lord, if we are willing to walk in the way that he calls us to walk, the end result is not that we're going to be sent to Africa and be miserable. The end result is we're going to experience righteousness we can all use that in our lives. And if we're living in righteousness, we're blessed of God. And it's the best way for us there. It brings its benefits and results. He said, if we surrender to the Lord and serve him as we should, we'll experience peace. Have you ever noticed how little peace there is out there in the world? Brother against brother, nation against nation, on and on it goes. We were Chuckling last night, we were watching um, on the internet. I don't even know where it was from, but it was uh, a university professor was being interviewed, and it, it, in their university, they've outlawed the the use of the word man. Uh, and uh, so uh, the uh, he asked, well, "What about the city of Manchester?" She said, "Well, they're going to have to change the name." Uh, they, they they were protesting against. Uh, Somebody help me out here. What's the store in New York? Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. They said, we can't shop in that store until they change their name. I like the interviewer that was doing it. He says, you mean if a few people don't like the word man, nobody can use it? And she said, that's right. That's what we've decided here at the university. We're having classes. We're training all of our professors so that they don't use this word anymore. And uh, he said, well, uh, who gets to say? And she said, well, if a few people don't like it, you can't do it. He says, well, what if I don't like that word, tenor professor? <laughs> she was a professor. 
She said, do, do we outlaw that because I don't like it? And it made her, it gave her pause to think and finally said, well, you know, if, if, if enough people joined with you, I guess we'd have to do away with that. And I thought, go for it. <laughs> we need to get rid of some of those professors if that's their mindset there. Uh, uh, but uh, we think, uh, you, you think of that situation, how much peace was there there? I mean, you could just tell that she didn't like that idea. She wanted to the right to say we can use these words and not these words but if somebody else came along and said i have a different opinion that that was not up for debate as far as she was concerned but we have peace when, when we seek to serve christ we also have joy and, and so as we look at that if if those characteristics are lacking in your life perhaps you need to reevaluate are you truly following jesus christ because if we are following him as he calls us to we should have righteousness we should have peace. We should have joy in our hearts and, and in our lives there. Do we desire his approval more than the approval of the world? Third thing that he gives to us here, and I realize I'm probably pushing you a little bit time-wise. Uh, it's, it's not because uh, the clock's running away on it. It's because I only have so much time and then i got to be out and down or I won't make it through here. But the third thing he says is pursue peace in verse 19. We saw that back in chapter 12, verse 18, where he said, as much as lieth in you, be at peace with all men. The word that he uses here, pursue, means to follow after or to to press after. It's to earnestly seek to be at peace within the body of Christ. If you are constantly at odds with a brother or sister or different brothers, if you're always the center of controversy, I think you have a problem. We're called to pursue peace. We're we're called to be men and women of peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers in the the Sermon of the Mount there. And you say, well, wait a minute. What about my my brother? Maybe it's his problem. Maybe it's not my problem. Well, the fact of the matter is in 1 Corinthians, we're told when it comes to the communion service, well, first Corinthians 3 to start with, he speaks of the fact that every one of us has to give an account of what? Ourselves. Not our brother, but what, what, what are we doing? Uh, when it comes to the communion service, we're called to examine ourselves. That's why we have many times a, a moment of silence before we partake of the elements. You have the responsibility to examine your hearts. Now, I, I know not every group does that. Uh, I, I remember a, a group, we had two or three of them in our church in in our first church in, in Little Wet, they were from the, the brother background. And they would actually have, the elders would stand at the, the back door when people came in to their communion service. And those that they thought were qualified to take communion, they would sit on one side. Those that they thought were not right with the Lord or qualified to take it, they'd see, have them sit on the other side. They, they would make that judgment call every Sunday. Uh, it depended on whether they thought the person would was living as they should or not. I don't find that in Scripture. I think he's serious when he says, let a man examine himself. And the reason for that is, you know what? I can make those judgments very quickly, whether you should take communion or not. But I can't see your heart. And I could be dead wrong. And so that's a matter between you and the Lord. I guess we have to ask ourselves, are we seeking peace or are we upset if we don't get our way? And do we become upset easily there? Or are we peacemakers today? 
I, I like the the story of uh, actually not a story. It's true. It, it was the first building project I was ever involved in. I was a teenager in my home church, and we had a little little church, uh, not even as big as what we have here, uh, as far as the auditorium was concerned. And then behind that was uh, there was room for three classes. And then there was a, a, an old garage that had been made into a, a classroom a, a, as well there. But we wanted to have a place where we could have a large group of kids. They could come, and, and like we do in here, we take all the chairs out, and it works well for Awana. But uh, we didn't have any place like that there, and we couldn't move the, the chairs because we had pews in there instead of chairs. And so as they, they talked it over, the men came to the conclusion, what we really need to do is dig a basement under the existing church. That's quite a project. But this was a group of farmers, and this was not a, a big thing to them. They're used to construction work and using their skills. And so they got together, and we started digging it out. And one of the men in the church had a backhoe. His business was excavating, and he brought his backhoe down, and so he dug down so that we could get underneath and, and jack up the church and put it on timbers under there and so forth while we did the building project and could get a foundation under it, and everything was going fine until they came to the point where they were getting ready to put in one of the major beams underneath it. And he had his opinion. Everybody else had a different opinion. And uh, he got, because they didn't do it his way, he got onto his tractor, drove away, never came back to church again. Not going to do it my way, I'm not coming. I thought, that's not really a very good testimony for the church there. Uh, it uh, I, I like far better the story of the building project, a church that voted on the building project. And when it came to the final vote on whether they should go ahead or not, it was... 99 to 1, in a sense. There, there was one man that voted no. Uh, he was the only one that was against it, but uh, they, they set a date. The next Saturday, they were, they were going to break the ground, have the ground breaking, and, and start the building program. When Saturday morning came, there he showed up with his shovel. And somebody said, I thought you voted against it. He said, I did, but this is my church, and I'll stand with it. What what a remarkable character that 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 was there. Do we do the things that that make for peace, or do we insist on our own way there? And then in verses twenty and twenty one, he says, "Do not major on the minors." I have found over the years that so many fights are not over doctrine in a church; they're over who's in control. They're, there's they're over minor things that don't really make a whole lot of difference as far as eternity is concerned. They're not really worth fighting over. Don't major on the minors. Uh, which is more important to us, our way, our desires, or impacting others with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are, are we really concerned about reaching out and, and showing the world that Christ makes a difference in our life? Are we, are we willing to change if that's what it takes to touch hearts and lives with, with the gospel message uh, verse 20 is good advice. Don't tear down the work of God for the sake of food or for the sake of whatever is your pet cause there. Don't tear down the work of God just because you have a selfish desire there. Rather, you're called to reach out and, and share 
Christ with others. We, I believe, need to choose our battles very, very carefully. There are a lot of battles that are just not worth the time and effort of a child of God. Be careful the battles you, you join into. And then finally he closes it off by saying, do not violate your convictions in verses 22 and 23. The faith which you have, have as your what? Your own conviction. If there is no thus saith the Lord, God may bring a conviction in that area into your life. But allow your brother or your sister to have a different conviction. If God hasn't said, thus saith the Lord, then God just may lead you down one path and your brother down the other. We each have a role to play in the body of Christ. He may ask each of us to do something just a little bit different there. I I, I remember the first wedding I ever performed. Uh, uh, You know, you're a little bit nervous when you you perform a wedding for the first time. This is serious business. It it was a couple that was not part of our church that they called up, uh, unusual in, in the sense that it was the the groom that called me up first. And uh, he explained, I used to go to the church when I was a, a child, and, and we're, we want to get married, and uh, we, we, we want to get married in, in a church and so forth. Would, would you perform the, the marriage ceremony? I said, well, I, I'm happy to do that, but I, I do require counseling first, and, and they, they that, that was fine with them. Uh, and... Uh, they, they came. I, I'm not sure what her background was as far as church back. I don't know if she even had any, but uh, we went over several things with them there and had the service. And then we went to the wedding reception. It was held in a – it was they weren't an Indian couple, but they, they had rented the hall on, on the reservation that was right there on the edge of town because it, it held the, the crowd of people that had come for the wedding. And, and they knew they couldn't use the, our church basement because they wanted to have alcohol served at the wedding, and, and uh, we, we didn't allow that. So uh, we, we show up at the hall, and by the time we get there, because, you know, one of the problems is you got to have all the pictures afterwards and so forth. So all the guests were up there, and the wedding party was still at the church getting the pictures and stuff. And so we were probably one of the last to get there with the wedding party. And uh, when, when you walked in, it was obvious that the bar was open, and it, it was all free to the guests. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's not a good good sight there. And they invited us, go and order whatever you want from, from the bar. And, and so we found our way to the, the table where we were supposed to sit. And, and at every place, there was a, a glass of champagne. You're supposed to toast the bride and groom with it. Now, in, in that particular setting and situation, it would not have worked for us to partake of that uh, champagne because of their perception, not only theirs but ours, of, of what a Christian should or should not do. In, in, in that town, that was looked down upon. And so Ginger said, what do we do? I mean, obviously, we're, we're sitting at just off from the head table there. And, and I, when the first toast was made, I, I looked around the room, and everybody was looking at our table, not not the head table. They wanted to see what this new pastor in town, we'd only been there a couple months, what, what is this new pastor going to do? What would you do? Uh, I said to uh, Ginger, we, we had gotten coffee, and that, that was served in styrofoam cups. It wasn't in those fancy glasses. I, I said, uh, 
I think we can toast the bride and groom with coffee. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter whether it's champagne or coffee. So we picked up our cups and we toasted that with everybody else. And you could just feel everybody relax in the room. We didn't compromise our convictions, but we didn't condemn them either. We entered into the joy of the occasion there. We each have convictions. We need to live those convictions out, but in a way which it doesn't destroy our brother or sister in Christ. We are called to edify, to build up, to encourage one another. And so as we think about that, it raises some serious questions. How judgmental are you of your brother and sister in Christ in areas where God hasn't spoken? Uh, are, Are you the final judge there? And are you causing somebody else to stumble? Are you following the example of Christ? He was quick to make peace. Or are you quick to fight and to argue? Do you insist on your way or the highway on areas where there's no thus saith the Lord? I I like what someone has said, and uh, my wife looked it up for me, but I didn't write it down who it originated with, so I'm not going to tell you who it originated with. Charlotte Ritchie sings it as a song, actually, uh, Building Bridges. Any of you heard that song? Building Bridges. Uh, it, the, the quote that I have is, it's time for us to stop erecting walls in the church and to begin to build some bridges. We are different. We, we have areas that we all are different in. That doesn't mean that it's areas that we need to fight against. We all have different areas of, of ministry. Uh, we have... Uh, a puppet ministry in this church. I have not felt led to be part of the puppet ministry. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but that's a lot of hard work. <laughs> uh, just just ask some of those that are involved in, in the puppet ministry, but that that's not my area. Uh, I, I can work in, in another area, but I can support the puppet ministry and I can encourage them when it comes to vacation Bible school. There's a multitude of things that have to be done in vacation Bible school. Everyone's different, and everyone has different gifts, and and we need to celebrate that fact, not assume that everybody's going to do it the way I'm going to do it or or do the same things that that, that I'm going to do. The same thing is true in our personal lives. We all have different causes that we like to support. Some of you are involved in the the food banks, the local food banks, and that's great. That, That meets a need in our community. Others not really convicted in that area. And so maybe they're involved in the 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 uh, family life center, or or maybe they're involved in the craft group for making things for missions and so forth. All of these are different causes, and just because somebody doesn't fit into that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just means that God is leading different. I, I I like to come in here on Wednesdays when the ladies are working and and uh, ask them what they're doing and tell them that. <laughs> They're doing it wrong. That color doesn't go with that color. And we have a great time together. But you know what? They've never asked me to join their group. I don't understand that. And that's fine because they wouldn't get very much done if they did. But praise the Lord. We're all different. We all have different areas that God wants us to be involved in and work in. Same thing is true in, in the area of politics. I know some of you are into the Republican Party. I know some others here that are into the Democratic Party. 
Is one right or one wrong? No. They have different goals and different agendas, and to the extent that they're following biblical principles, we can be involved in that. Uh, don't condemn your brother because they're not in the same party that you're in. That, that's, I don't see it in Scripture where it says, let's say if the Lord, you shall be a Republican or you shall be a Democrat. It's just not there. And so allow God to lead someone different in a different way in an area where there's no right and, and wrong there. We're called to accept. We're called to edify one another. That means we're called to encourage one another. And so as, as we close today, the question I have for you is, who can you encourage this week? They may have different convictions. They may be involved in different causes than you would be involved in. But is there somebody that you can encourage to walk their convictions, to live out their life to the glory of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to be this week, rather than than trying to force people into your mold, are you willing to say, I'm going to encourage them to follow the convictions that God has laid upon their hearts? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us tremendous freedom in so many areas of our life. We realize there are doctrinal issues. There are areas where you say, thus saith the Lord, and we thank you for those parameters in our life. But in the areas where there's liberty and freedom, help us to allow you to lead us and to live out the convictions that you bring to us and help us to accept the fact that you may lead our brother and sister in a little bit bit different way and help us to be content with that we pray in jesus name amen we're going to sing at this time i know whom i have believed and danny you're welcome to take this back here if you, you